Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 5. This is Lesson 26. Uh, we're going to continue where we left off on page 47. We talked about all those people that were doing what they wanted to do, to be popular, at the cost of the people that they were ministering to. And in total contrast to this, and just so we have a picture of what the right thing to do is, we're going to look at an account found in Acts chapter 5, where the apostles were threatened and beaten for actually doing what God wanted them to do. Um, in <clears throat> the incident begins in verse 12, I mean Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, where it says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So I want you to understand, I want you to see that the reward of doing what is right, even though you are persecuted, is the power of God in your life. Amen? And it says, verse 14, uh, I'm just jumping down to verse 14, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, verse 15, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Now understand, it isn't Peter's shadow that healed anybody, okay? But the healing power of God was so strong and powerful that wherever his shadow was, that, that power extended out to that area, and that, that vicinity. Verse 16, and it says, Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So obviously, they came and received from God. Amen? They got what they were looking for. Verse 17, Then the high priest rose up and said, Isn't it amazing? And thank God that... <laughs> okay, it's, a guy, it's not in my Bible. No, well, this is what they should have said. They should have re been rejoicing that the God of Abraham was healing His people. Amen? That people were being healed and ministered to by the thing that they always said was the true God. That everybody else that was worshipping other things, check it out. People are being healed. Sadly, it's not what they said. So <laughs> let's have a look at what they said. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is a sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. Can you believe this? Wow! Verse 18, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison for healing people. Not for robbing somebody. Not for speaking blasphemies, even though they think it is. Listen, they're healing people. And they get thrown in prison. You know, I'd be saying, what's the charge? <laughs> you know? I'm healing someone. Which, which one of these, which is what Jesus said. For which one of these good deeds are you arresting me? For which one are you condemning me? Hmm? Amen? Anyway. And verse 19, But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, and brought them out, and said, Go and stand in the temple, and speak to the people all the words of this life. Oh man. <laughs> so the angel comes, gets them out, and says, Go back to what you were doing. My question would be, Are you going to be there with me? <laughs> you know, this is just me, okay? It's not them, this is me out. It said, can you please? I, I think I need an armed escort here. This is not working out well for me today. Yeah, I'm doing the right thing. I'm just saying, you know, who knows? Ask and you will receive. We just don't ask. We just go out there and go, well, here we go again. Let's go get persecuted again. Hey, man, listen, angel breaks you out. You know what I'm trying to say? The guy got you out. Maybe the guy can hang around a little bit. 
check, see what's up. You know, they used to send them and look, they used to look after God's people. One guy, one angel, took care of 185,000 soldiers, trained soldiers, one night. You know, it's just like, okay. I don't think he even broke a sweat, you know. <laughs> anyway, all right. And so, verse 31, And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent them sent to prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, I'm in verse 23, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. This was a miraculous, supernatural deliverance. So, I don't know what all, I would love to sort of do this in film somehow, but, you know, I don't know whether they just walked through the bars, because it's still shut. And, you know, they were in a different state because nobody saw them leave, but they left. To them it was real, but to everybody outside, they didn't see anything. Interesting, isn't it? I'm just wondering, you know, because angels can appear and disappear at will, and they can let you know whether they're there, or they can just be there and you don't know. But they are very, they are there. Do you know what I'm trying to say? In the spirit realm, they're very visible. I'm just wondering if they grab one of you, and you just, you just became, you know, they just caused you to be like them, and just disappear, but you're still there, but nobody else can see you, and just walk right out. And you're thinking, geez, I wonder why that God isn't doing anything. <laughs> you know? I mean, he's looking right at me, and he's not seeing anything. Amen? Just things to think about. Anyway, I'm sorry, my imagination does things like this. Alright, back to this. Verse 24, when the high priest, the, uh, now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Ah, oh, slap in the face. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. See, now we got a problem. Because they... they arrested them for healing people. The angels have brought them back out. Suddenly they're out there. They don't even know this has happened. So they're coming back and they're thinking, well, these people are popular. People are listening to them. We go do the wrong thing. They'd stone us. Hallelujah. So it says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And in, I'm in verse 28. And intend to bring this man's blood on us. Verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to, listen, here it is, We ought to obey God rather than men. Okay. There's the line. Some people preach because they are popular with men. Here, these apostles are preaching what is in line with God. And they make it very clear. They say, listen, we ought to obey God rather than men. Amen? And I've said here, regardless of all the warnings and threatenings, they preach. And addressing these religious leaders now, they say, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered. Boy, that's pretty tough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> by hanging on a tree. I said, I've said here, not the thing to say to your captors. Verse 31, Him God has exalted to His right hand. Listen, do you know, in saying that, that's very cleverly put. He's saying, you did this to Him, but God did this. In direct 
opposition to what you did. This is a very powerful statement. This statement is letting them know that what they did was totally out, out of God's will. Absolutely and totally out of God's will. And that they, in doing it, listen, they set themselves against God. Do you get this? I need you to see here. These are people of God setting themselves against God. And doing it in the name of God. So again, he says, Him, thank you, in verse 31, Him God has exalted to His right hand to be Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. See, right there, they should have said, we're sorry, we messed up, okay? But no, no, we're going to keep going. Alright, verse 32. And we are His witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. I can't go past that one. Listen, you know what he's. You know what they've just said. You guys don't have the Holy Spirit. You guys say that you're of God, but you don't have God's Spirit in you. So everything you do now is something else. What we call religion. Okay. Now James calls has you know a term called pure religion, and I I just think he was trying to you know rescue that word. Okay, and saying that religion is not necessarily bad. But there's, if it's pure, but when it is not, and for the most part, it is not. And this is where the problem lies. You know. These people are religious, they're not godly. And that's a big difference. So here we go. And then they say in verse 33, When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. It sounds like everything they want to do to Jesus. Every time he opened his mouth, they want to kill him. Push him off a cliff, you know, stone him. Do something bad. Verse 34, then one, of the, one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named uh, Gamaliel, excuse me, I don't know how you say that, he was meant to be the Apostle Paul's teacher. All right, This guy is meant to be quite tremendous. A teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, he's, he's a smart man, he says, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. Verse 36. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up. I don't know who this Thaddeus dude is. Claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. Verse 37. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all those who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Smart man. For if this, watch this, for if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But, verse 39, if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. Oh, wow. That's brilliant, isn't it? He says, lest you even be found to fight against God. I like this man. This is wise. This is wisdom that is... You can see where the Apostle Paul got his wisdom from. Amen? Verse 40, And they agreed with him. (laughs) When they had called for the Apostles and beaten them, yeah, they weren't going to let him off without a beating. This is petty. You know, this is petty. This guy said, let him go, and he's going, fine, after we beat him. They didn't need to do that. Anyway, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 41. 
So they went out and said, you know what, that's it, we're never doing this again. It is not what it says. Hello? So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, watch this, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Not a popular way of thinking about things. Verse 42, And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That Christ means anointed and Messiah. Because they were all waiting for the Messiah. And they, they were not going to, nobody was going to stop them from letting people know the Messiah came. And he's done what he promised to do. Deliver us from sin. Deliver us from evil. And the power of darkness. Amen? And bring us to a place where we are God's kids. I'm adding all of this. So this is what God expects and it is also what will be rewarded in heaven. However, for all those looking to be popular, and so compromise their message, Jesus says again in Luke 6.26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. In his commentary, William Hendrickson writes, with, when all men speak well of you, there must be something wrong with you. <laughs> you are not taking a stand for the truth. You are not being a blessing. And you are digging your own grave. Hmm. It is a temptation like no other. And one that we must do our utmost to identify, resist, and overcome at every turn. You know why? Because we all want to look good. We all want to be the hero of our story. Can I say this? We need to be the hero of God's story. Amen. Even at the expense of us looking bad. We need to be able to say, you know, sometimes people say, well, God must have a good reason for doing this or doing that. Why don't you just think about it for a little bit longer, and you might remember that God said, don't do that. And you got in trouble, and you shouldn't have got in trouble. Now you're saying that God did something bad to you to teach you a lesson, which He's, you know the first thing He said to you? Don't do it. But you did it. Now He's getting you out of it. Don't blame Him and don't say that. And when you get out of it, because He does it in such a way that it makes you look good. You know, a lot of times it almost looks like you were meant to go through that because something good came out of it. But can I say this? You were never meant to go through it for that good thing to come out of it. He just made something good come out of it. So don't preach that as a doctrine. Yeah. Amen? And I, I, you know, I just still remember, I was really honest. You know? Somebody was speaking to me, and they, I was saying something, I would mention something that didn't go right you know, in my life at a certain point in time. And uh, this person said, oh, you know, sometimes God, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, no, no, that wasn't God, that was me. He told me about two weeks before that, do this. And I said, no, nah, I don't think I need to do that. Well, guess what? Now this happened, and this person, this is a godly person, they, they, they said, sat back and said, you know, not many people would, <laughs> would do this. Just throw themselves out there and, you know, kind of say, no, it wasn't God, it was me, it was my fault. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like God said, don't cross the street, then I'm the one that ran across, and then the bus hit you, and then it's like, oh, God's teaching me something, it's not the lesson. Amen. Anyway, all right, we're moving on to the next book for you. It's the same book for me. Hallelujah. We got through it. Yay. So, let me tag this. 
because I was keeping a tab on where your book ends. All right, chapter 19. All right. As a result of walking in all the virtues of the Beatitudes, taking heed of all the woes, Jesus now goes on to describe the believer in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, as salt and light. This section of scripture is unique to Matthew's gospel. Luke has no parallel. In fact, we won't encounter the next parallel to Matthew's gospel until we get to Matthew 5.43, where Jesus addresses the subject of loving your enemies. So, the whole section from now to that point is all unique to Matthew's gospel. And again, the reason that we're doing this is because I want you to see all the parallels, and when we hit them, you'll see them in sequence, because sometimes, you know, when the things are out of sequence, you don't know where it all fits and how it fits. So, again, the reason why I'm redoing this as well, uh, not only to keep it as a part of the life of Jesus, which is where it does belong, but also to keep it in line with all the other Gospels and the the parallel accounts, so you know how the flow of it is. Amen? All right. So, reading in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. Now, the Greek word for earth here is referring to the physical land or ground which we walk on. And you need to get this because it's not the same word twice, okay? But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14. Now he says you are the light of the world, okay? First we had earth, now we have world. Earth was a physical land. Here, world is cosmos, referring to organized humanity or the world's system. Now this is really interesting because... Uh, and I can give you some insights now into this that I didn't have before. Okay, We are here not only to bless the physical earth. Okay, And I know they should throw salt on the earth to kill the earth, but you know, let, me talk, let me take it for what it's worth here. Okay? Uh, salt brought flavor. Okay? So we're not only meant to be flavoring this physical planet. It, you know, it should be a good thing that we're here. Sometimes, you know, some Christians, it's not a good thing. But we are meant to be a blessing to the physical planet. Also, we are meant to be a light in a dark world system. Do you understand? So when we, you know, we should, uh, this is where we're really getting to, okay? We're getting to the place, and I want us all to get to the place where, you know, can I just take this, extend this all the way out there? Wherever your foot treads, you get little daisies growing. Places that grew nothing suddenly starts growing because you're there. You actually affect the physical earth. And places where the devil has been running roughshod, have just been oppressing people. And, you know, there's all this hatred and violence. And you know how some places, you just go and you think, this is not a good place. There's a darkness over the place. Listen, what you are meant to do is walk into a place of that and just literally dissipate all that darkness and bring a light to that place where people suddenly have hope and life and love and something changes because you're there. Do you understand? So that the earth benefits and the people in the earth benefit. Get it? Okay. So again here, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Listen, you're not some little light shining. In some cases and some instances, you are a city. Amen? 
elevated in an elevated position there to bring light to all the darkness around you. And some days, family, that's what it is. People are in confusion and people are in darkness. Even some Christians, I'm sad to say. And some days you need to be the light to everyone. Don't think it's a difficult thing. It's God in you. His glory will shine through you. Just let it. Amen? Amen. Okay. Verse 15. Nor do they uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Interesting that you can be a light not only to everyone around you and the city, but you also are meant to be a light in your home as well. Amen? Don't turn it off when you go home. <laughs> Amen? Okay. Now, the home is going to see you as a little light, you know, but listen, hey, even a little bit of light is better than no light. And can I say this? You know, we should be shining the brightest in, at home. I'm just saying. Okay? I know they won't let you. Prophet isn't, you know, acknowledged in his own hometown, that sort of a deal. But, you know, you can get to the place where people begin to see you and really see you as a light. And I think that's, uh, that's something that we need to work at. And he says in verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's pull this apart and start talking about this. And uh, I will... I will Get through this as quickly as I can, but when I have revelation, I'm going to give it to you. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. In his commentary, Leon Morris explains that Jesus now points to the penetrating power of the gospel and the penetrating power of people who are transformed by it. They, they have been accepted by God in all their loneliness, and Jesus has spoken of their blessedness. Now he turns to their responsibility. So in other words, what we're seeing here is that even though God receives you, no matter how you come to him, he'll receive you. He'll turn no one away. Amen? But the thing is, once he receives you, once you begin to grow, remember we talked about people that were peacemakers and some tremendous people, people that would see God. Okay, because their heart was right before God and so on and so forth. So these are people that have now grown up in the Lord. And so they've come to a place where, hey man, you know, regardless of where you came from, you are now in a place of power. You are now in a place where you need to influence people. And here is now your responsibility. Amen? Amen. Uh, remember again, see, notice how it says that they may see your good works. This is a person that may have been a horrible human being, and all their works are very, very bad. <laughs> okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> but they've grown up in the Lord, they've changed their ways, and now they're doing things that are blessing people, and their works are all very good, or m the majority of them, so that they are known as a good person. You all understand what I'm saying? Okay. And so, notice it says and that your good works may glorify not you, but your Father in heaven. So this is the place where you are now in a position where you are doing stuff, where you are a blessing, and God is saying you need to be a blessing to people around you, not just to yourself. Amen? Okay. That, that, so this is their responsibility. And that responsibility comes in the form of being both salt and light to the world around us, which I've explained now. William Hedrickson comments further on this and says, By means of those two emblems, salt and light, an important truth is revealed, and that is that, people, that those people whom the world, including the scribes and Pharisees, hates most, are exactly the ones to whom it owes the most to. I added a few words there, but if you take the, the brackets out, that's what the quote says, okay? Listen, it's a funny thing. It's one of those things that's, uh, is, is, it, is paradox the word? Where the thing that's, that you think is the worst for you is actually the best for you? 
The thing that you don't want to tolerate is the thing that you need to have in your life. Amen. And there are people out there that are not doing the right thing. And you are the light and it's irritating to them. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, you being the light is irritating to them. But that you are the very thing that they need. And if they just get that revelation and then they understand that maybe this is the hand of God. Maybe this is the voice of God. Maybe this is God trying to get through to them. And if they just listen, their life will change. Because people are all, you know, do you know something? People are out there asking God for a better life. But they don't like the solution He brings. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're talking about here. In other words, without the, Christian, without the Christians in this world praying and doing what is right in the sight of God, there would be no blessing manifested and life would become miserable and unbearable and literally degenerate to the worst possible condition imaginable. Do you know why? Not because people are necessarily bad, but because there is a force of darkness that is pushing everybody in that direction. And it isn't a gentleman. It is horrible. It's manipulative. And it will, you know, you think you're smart? <laughs> you don't know smart. You have no idea. That's the reason why you need God in your life. You know, I keep telling people, this isn't about religion, man. You need an edge. There is a devil out there that has been around for a very long time, had the smarts to turn, you know, a, a whole heap of angels that were created by God against him. That's who you're dealing with. Are you all here? You think you're smart. Are you kidding? This thing knows. So <laughs> you have no chance. However, when you cross over, when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, when He comes to live in you, He's been around longer than the devil. Now you've got an edge. Now you've got an advantage. And He'll speak to you. And when He speaks, don't go, yeah, but why should I do that? Don't do that. You know, in the army, one of the things they teach you is if they say duck, you duck. If they say jump up, you say how high. You don't stand there and go, well, why? You shot, you're dead, you're dead. You, you know, that's it, you died. You know, when they said to duck, somebody was taking aim to shoot you in your head, and you sat there and started to argue, and you died because that guy said, oh, look, a sitting duck. You know, the duck, okay. <laughs> okay? Oh, look, he's just, look, he's standing right there, he's not moving, he's arguing. Let's take our time and take the shot. Hello. Amen. Anyway. Alright. Sorry I got preachy. Alright, back to this. <laughs> uh, the Apostle Paul gives us a glimpse of this in Romans chapter 1. We're going to finish here because I have run out of time almost. Um, when he says in verses 28 through 31... As we read these verses, try to imagine an entire society like this, okay? When they, it says, verse 28, When they refused to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things that should never be done. Verse 29, Their lives will become full of every kind of wickedness, sin. Now, give, give me a minute with this. Wickedness is when you do something wrong to someone. Which means that they'll be doing things wrong to each other. So one person does a wrong thing to somebody else. They get mad and do something back to them. And we've got something going now. And then somebody else joins in this. And do you understand? Wickedness isn't something that you just are wicked. Oh, I'm just wicked. No, no, no. You are both the perpetrator and also the victim in this. Because whatever you sow, you'll reap. 
You become wicked, somebody will become wicked towards you. Do you understand? So when you're reading this stuff, understand that these are people that are not only being wicked, but also being wicked too. You know, or, or, or somebody else is being wicked to them, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, okay, so get that. Alright, sin, greed, hate, all both ways, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior, gossip, Verse 30, they are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. I mean, I could just give you, are you getting a picture here? Okay. They are forever inventing new ways of sinning, and they are disobedient to their parents. Now understand this, that means the parents are miserable too. Why did we ever have this little thing? You know, can we kill it and make another one? You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Nobody will know. We'll make it, okay? You know, I mean, it's just this horrible. Can you see society like this? Alright? Verse 31. They refuse to understand. Break their promises. Just that in itself. Oh, absolutely, I'll do this. You know, just help me out here and I'll do this. And then you need help? Nah, forget about it. Who are you again? Okay? And they're, they are heartless, excuse me, and are heartless and unforgiving. Well, I, you know, it just, yeah? You all get a picture there? That is what I meant when I said they would degenerate to the worst possible condition imaginable. Hmm? Can you imagine living in a society like that? You know, we take for granted so much. And somebody is just one time, one time rude to us that day. That's all we remember. Could have had ten people nice to us. How come we don't remember that as much? One person says something, looks a certain way, whatever, and we're like, oh, and we just, you know, just blow up like a toad, you know, and just steam coming out of our ears. All because one person, one person, maybe they didn't even realize they were doing it. But bless God, we, you know, no, no, they knew, they shouldn't have done that. Sometimes you ask people like that, you know, how, how come you did that? They go, oh, did I? I didn't... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, and you had a horrible day because they just happened to be thinking of something else and you misinterpreted what they were thinking or what they did. Maybe they did do something wrong, but I'm just saying, how come you let that determine your whole day? Can you imagine a society where that's happening all the time? Amen? See, you don't realize how much we do while we're here. And when we get raptured, what a horrible place this is going to turn out to be. In stark contrast to all this are the Beatitudes, to which Jesus says that those who live out those qualities will become salt and light and permeate the world, while at the same time greatly hindering its moral and ethical decay. Amen? Amen. Okay, when we come back, we'll begin and read John seventeen eleven and continue on from there. Let's have every head bowed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom and insight and revelation that we are receiving.